0: The French Revolution, A History by Thomas Carlyle Volume 2, The Constitution Book 4, Varin, Chapter 4, Easter at Paris This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Peter Dan Book 4, Chapter 2, Easter at Paris For above a year, ever since March 1790, it would seem there has hovered a project of flight before the royal mind. And ever and anon has been condensing itself into something like a purpose, but this or the other difficulty always vaporised it again. It seems so full of risks, perhaps of civil war itself. Above all, it cannot be done without effort. Somnolent laziness will not serve. To fly, if not in a leather vash, one must verily stir himself, Better to adopt that constitution of theirs, executed, so as to show all men that it is inexecutable? Better, or not so good, surely it is easier. To all difficulties, you need only say, There is a lion in the path, behold, your constitution will not act. For a somnolent person, it requires no effort to counterfeit death, as Dame de Stael and Friends of Liberty can see the King's government long doing, faisant le mort. Nay, now, when desire witted by difficulty has brought the matter to a head, and the royal mind no longer halts between two, what can come of it? Grant that poor Louis was safe with Bouillet, what on the whole could he look for there? Exasperated tickets of entry answer, much, all, but cold reason answers, little, almost nothing. Is not loyalty a law of nature? Ask the tickets of entry. Is not love of your king, and even death for him, the glory of all Frenchmen, except these few democrats? Let democratic constitution builders see what they will do without their keystone, and France rend its hair, having lost the hereditary representative. Thus will King Louis fly, one sees not reasonably, towards what? as a maltreated boy, shall we say, who, having a stepmother, rushes sulkily into the wide world and will wring the paternal heart? Poor Louis escapes from known unsupportable evils to an unknown mixture of good and evil, coloured by hope. He goes, as Rabelais did when dying, to seek a great maybe. Je vais chercher un grand peut-être. As not only the sulky boy, but the wise-grown man is obliged to do, so often, in emergencies. For the rest, there is still no lack of stimulants and step-down maltreatments to keep one's resolution at the due pitch. Factious disturbance cease not, as indeed how can they, unless authoritatively conjured in a revolt which is by nature bottomless. If the ceasing of faction be the price of the king's somnolence, may he awake when he will and take wing.' Remark, in any case, what somersets and contortions a dead Catholicism is making skilfully galvanised, hideous and even piteous to behold. Durant and dissident, with their shaved crowns, argue frothing everywhere, or are ceasing to argue and stripping for battle. In Paris was scourging, while need continued. Contrary rise, in the Morbahan of Brittany, without scourging, armed peasants are up, roused by pulpit drum, they know not why. General Dumouriez, who has got missioned thitherward, finds all in sour heat of darkness, finds also that explanation and conciliation will still do much. But again, consider this that His Holiness Pius VI has seen good to excommunicate Bishop Talleyrand. Surely, we will say then, considering it, there is no living or dead church in the earth that has not the indubitablest right to excommunicate Talleyrand. Pope Pius has right and might in his way, but truly so likewise has Father Adam, ci-devant Marquis Saint du Rouge, in his way. Behold, therefore, on the fourth of May, in the Palais Royal, a mixed, loud-sounding multitude, in the middle of whom Father Adam, bull-voiced Saint du Rouge, in white hat, towers, visible and audible. With him, it is said, walks journalist Gorsa. Walk many others of the washed sort. For no authority will interfere. Pius the Sixth, with his plush and tiara and power of the keys, they bear aloft of natural size, made of lath and combustible gum. Royu, the king's friend, is born too in effigy, with a pile of newspaper. King's friends, condemned numbers of the Ami duois, fit fuel for the sacrifice. Speeches are spoken, a judgment is held, a doom proclaimed, audible in bull voice, towards the four winds. And thus, amid great shouting, the holocaust is consummated under the summer sky, and our laugh-and-gum holiness with the attendant victims mounts up in flame and sinks down in ashes, a decomposed pope. And right or might among all the parties has better or worse accomplished itself as it could, But on the whole, reckoning from Martin Luther in the marketplace of Wittenberg to Marquis saint Tirouge in this Palais Royal of Paris, what a journey we have gone, into what strange territories has it carried us? No authority can now interfere. Nay, religion herself, mourning for such things, may, after all, ask, what have I to do with them? In such extraordinary manner does dead Catholicism Somerset and Caper skilfully galvanised. For does the reader inquire into the subject matter of controversy in this case what the difference between orthodoxy or my-doxy and heterodoxy or thy-doxy might be here? My-doxy is that an august National Assembly can equalise the extent of bishoprics, that an equalised bishop, his creed and formularies being left quite as they were, can swear fidelity to king, law and nation, and so become a constitutional bishop. Thy doxy, if thou be dissident, is that he cannot, but that he must become an accursed thing. Human ill-nature needs but some homocian iota, or even the pretense of one, and will flow copiously through the eye of a needle. Thus always must mortals go jargoning and fuming. And like the ancient Stoics in their porches, with fierce dispute maintain their churches. This auto-de-fe of Saint-Hérouge's was on the 4th of May 1791. Royalty sees it, but says nothing. End of Book 4, Chapter 2